Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. to Collective Church. If we've never met before, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors here. I lead alongside of my amazing wife, Lee. We're glad that you are with us. We've been in this series that we are looking at our values as a church. And for us, our values, they align us. They give us guardrails. They help us to understand what matters, what doesn't matter, and they they help keep us clear on what our focus is. And I said it last week, but I'll say it again. We believe that the values that we have for Collective Church aren't just valuable for us as a church, but that they could actually impact your life. That if you integrated these values into your life, we believe that you would grow in your understanding and experience of Jesus, that you would grow to become more and more like him. If your desire is to apprentice in the way of Jesus, to surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus, that these values actually will help you to do so. We have six values, six guiding principles. And I want to I outline them, but I, I do want to remind you that this, some of, for some of us, it'll feel like a reminder. We've heard this before. Hopefully, you see these values represented in how we actually operate. And the, the value of our values is when we reinforce it, teach it, and continue to model it regularly. Our values are passion, growth, urgency, focus, presence, and humility. Last week, we looked at the value of growth, and if you missed it, I want to encourage you, you can hop on YouTube and you can watch that and learn about the value of growth because it is central to who we are, this posture of growth, this willingness to grow. It is in us, and it informs so much of what we do and challenge people into. This week, I want to look at two values, two in one, passion and urgency, passion and urgency. But before I do, I want to pray for us. God, as we, even as our hearts were turned to you in worship, God, I pray that you would be the one that speaks to us. God, I don't, I don't want to just bring words and thoughts and ideas. God, I, I want to help all of us to find you, to see you, to, to see your words in scripture and how they illuminate who you are to us. God, I pray that for those of us in the room, that we have all sorts of noise. I pray that you would still our hearts, that you would quiet our minds, and that your still small voice, your whisper, would somehow cut through all of the other stuff. God, we come before you desperately in need of you yet again. We know that you are close. We know that you want to meet with us. We know that your eyes are searching for people that want to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that as we seek you, that you would meet us, that we would find you. God, I pray that you would speak, that you would guide, that you would build 
God, I need you. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's this amazing quote that says this, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. And it's been attributed to someone named John Wesley. John Wesley, who is a significant pastor and father in the faith. And as I was looking it up, because I'm like, I love that quote. And the first result on Google was, John Wesley never said this. <laughs> and you're like, well, shoot. <laughs> but here's what I, what I look at when I read that. I go, I don't really care who says it. I believe that to be true. That if we light ourselves on fire with passion, people will come from miles to watch us burn. When people are passionate about something, others can tell. When you're passionate about something, it draws people in. If there's something in your life that you're really excited about, you can't help but talk about it. You can't help but exude excitement. And you're around other people and suddenly they start to like the things that you like because they're like, this seems awesome. They seem really into it. I, I want that. Passion is contagious. Passion is, is such an interesting thing in, in our environments that people look at us and they can tell the things that we are passionate about. I want you to consider every time we go to a, if you're really into sports or a concert, how people respond. Like grown men painting their faces, <laughs> screaming. Lee and I, we got to go see, we got to go see the London Knights play. And every single time they scored, there was this guy that looked like he could barely stand. And he was going for it, like screaming and cheering. We go to concerts and we see people doing what? Singing every single word of the song or weeping. I can't believe this person is here. Drawn by passion. Thousands of people in a room united by one person on a stage. And it's so fascinating when you think about it because there are things in our lives, maybe it's sports, maybe it's music that we are passionate about. And when we engage in that, it's just all we have. And then sometimes there are people that then when they come to church, it's like, God is good. It's pretty great. I've done a lot in my life. Thank you, Jesus. And that's about all we have. That same person that's like, go Knights, go, go Knights. Jesus, really grateful for you. And I mean, you gave your whole life for me and that was awesome and stuff. And then we go to some concert, we're belting out the songs and then the worship songs start and we're like, I don't really like this one. So I'm not gonna sing it. So, so the worship team has to look at my face <laughs> as I'm up there. There's just this disconnect between certain things that we are passionate about. And I would suggest as Jesus followers, we better be passionate about what Jesus did. And if we notice other areas in our life that we are passionate, exuding passion, and we don't find that in our spiritual life, it should cause us to ask some questions. It should cause us to reflect, why is it that I am like this? Why is it that I don't feel that? And what do people perceive from me? What do they see? Do they see my passion for Jesus or do they look and go, kind of looks like everyone else? Our value of passion, we say it like this, it can't just be about us. We will never feel more alive than when we help someone else find life in Jesus. 
The message of Jesus is the most compelling story for humanity, and we will live like this matters. That is our our value of passion, and it is so central to who we are. And maybe you haven't heard it before, but the reason that we exist is we exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus that we believe that the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, is the most compelling story for humanity. And I think about a word like compelling. And I actually looked it up, because sometimes I like to just look it up and go, what what other words are connected, or what other definitions? And, And when I looked up the word compelling, there was a couple of other words that stood out to me. The first was, when something's compelling, it's irresistible. It's a beautiful picture For what it means to actually see Jesus clearly is that when we see Jesus clearly, his story clearly, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, it is irresistible. And then the other one, when I looked it up, is that it inspires conviction. Now this is just just like Britannica definition, but compelling, inspires conviction. Now this should be our response to Jesus. This sense that it is irresistible, his message is irresistible, but that it inspires conviction in us. This message of Jesus is also called the gospel or the good news. And the gospel is the pronunciation, the announcement of good news. In in ancient times, if there was someone coming into the city, maybe a king was coming into a city, there would be a gospel announcement. Good news is coming. Something's happening. Something significant is about to happen, and this message of Jesus is the best news. This uh, This pronouncement of Jesus coming. And I want to just give you a summary of the message of Jesus, the good news, because I think for so many of us, sometimes we get, we get distracted and we think about all sorts of different things. And let me just give you, let me give you a, a summary of it and recognizing that this is not perfectly complete, but I think it's helpful. The good news is that God, the creator of the universe, has sent his son Jesus, fully God and fully human, to rescue us from the grip of sin. And this is significant. And our hope in that message is not just personally, but it's about something greater than that. The reality that God, through Jesus, is coming to usher in a new reality. God's kingdom at work here on earth. And through Jesus and through this message and through his life, All things will be renewed. Everything will be restored. And God is establishing his kingdom through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news is both powerful and transformative. It wakes people, like that song mentioned, from death to life. It promises the power of God in those who surrender to Jesus' lordship. Power. Presence. It allows us to become the kind of community that represents a foretaste of the coming kingdom and the work that God will do in all creation. 
as the church, we get to be a little glimpse, a little foretaste, a little preview of God's coming kingdom where all things will be restored and renewed. Jesus changes everything. He changes our personal life. He changes the world around us. He changes the people around us. He changes everything for today and for the future. And this should not be something as Jesus followers that we're neutral about, where you go, yeah, I know God sent his son to live the life that I could never live, to pay the price I could never pay, to restore, redeem me back to Jesus. And he's restoring and redeeming the world around and he's bringing his kingdom. And yeah, that's fine. This is the best news. It means that there is hope in every circumstance that seems to be beyond us that God is at work. Tells us that he conquered death, which means anything that we think seems too big is not for him. And it means that regardless of what we deal with here on earth, there is hope beyond today. Jesus changes everything. And when we come face to face with Jesus, when we really meet with Jesus, it changes our lives. And we see this pattern in Scripture. We see this with someone named Paul. If you're familiar with him, Paul was someone who went from persecuting the church, dragging people out of their houses to be murdered for following Jesus, meets with Jesus in a moment on a road. Everything changes, and then he becomes one of the most significant catalysts to the early church. He plants many, many churches, and he writes much of the New Testament as letters to those churches that he plants. Paul met with Jesus, saw Jesus face to face, experienced the message and story of Jesus, and everything changed. And there's two books, Luke and Acts, that are both written by Luke. And in Luke, he unpacks the life of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. In Acts, he unpacks the early church. And so there are these words that, are, that Luke captures from Paul in Acts that I want us to read. Acts 20, 24 says this. This is Paul, Paul writing, Paul speaking. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This is someone who is passionate. Even when I had to, I was, I was looking up this verse and I, I was thinking about this this conviction of going, my world, my life is worth nothing if not for this. For so many of us in comfortable Christianity in 2023, it does not look like this. I think about it in my own life, and, and I think there's all sorts of things that I put my value and identity in, and I see Paul and his conviction that it's worth nothing unless I do exactly what God's asking me to do. It's worth nothing if I, if I succeed at all sorts of things, but I don't actually do what he's asking. I've got nothing. This is why in our value we say it can't just be about us. The lie is that we just need to become the best ultimate version of ourselves. 
Listen, it's valuable to become the best version of yourself, but unless that best version of yourself is modeled after the person of Jesus, you're wasting your time. We live our life and we say, Jesus, be formed in me. I want everyone to see you at work in me. I don't want to live my life just to become the best version of me. I want people to see you through me. When we live in this way that we think, I just need to get better and better and better without thinking I need to become more and more like Jesus, it becomes, the, the, it leads us to this life that is very much self-centered. But when we surrender and we say, Jesus, I just, I want every area of my life to be formed into your image, suddenly then we experience this other-centered life that Jesus invites us into. Jesus' life and way he loves is deeply other-centered. In fact, Jesus says there's no greater love than the person who lays down their life for their friends. You want to know how to love people? Lay down your life for them. Don't make it about you. Be willing to give up everything for the sake of others, the ones that God loves and has given his son for. Lay down your life. Don't make it about you. There are people that desperately need to know Jesus and you can do something about it. And Paul gets it. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. It's worth nothing unless I do exactly what I've been assigned by Jesus to do, the work that he has given And Paul's really clear what that work is. And I don't think that's just unique to Paul. I think it's actually a call to any of us that would call ourselves apprentices or disciples or followers of the way of Jesus. We have work to do. Telling others about the good news, about the wonderful grace of God. Jesus has made a way. He's redeemed and he's restored that which is broken And he is redeeming and restoring the world. And he is inviting us to be part of it. That should cause us to become passionate, increasingly passionate about what God is up to and doing. Our lives should be marked by passion. Because it can't just be about us. We'll never feel more alive than we help someone else find life in Jesus. The message of Jesus is the most compelling story for humanity, and we will live like this matters. We want lives that are marked by this value of passion. And the other value, the value of urgency, dovetails beautifully with this value of passion. Here's how we say our value of urgency. Time is short, and there's work to do. We want to make our lives count. We are part of the greatest rescue mission this world has ever known. Now, let me just explain to you what urgency is not. Urgency is not reactivity. It's not running around like chickens with our heads cut off. i got to do more i got to add more, juggle all this stuff. And you're like, wow, I'm doing all sorts of things. That is, that is not what we are suggesting. We are not suggesting that all activity is equal. In fact, we're saying some activity is not valuable. 
Urgency isn't about doing more. It's about ensuring that we are doing the right thing with the moments that we have. It's looking at our lives and going, am I investing my energy in the things that matter? Am I willing to lay down my schedule and my, and my life, my time, my talent, my treasure for the sake of the things that, that actually matter? Urgency challenges us and it calls us, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life in things that don't matter. Don't waste your time and your energy and your schedule on the things that don't matter. Instead, lay down your life. Do what God's asking you to do and watch what he does. I want you to know that Satan's goal, Satan's goal is to keep us busy and distracted and doing all sorts of things, doing things that don't actually matter and missing the things that really do. God, in his infinite wisdom, is laser-focused. He's laser-focused even in your life of saying, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to spend your time. And we desperately, desperately need to ensure that we are creating space to actually hear that, to know, God, what are you saying? Where are you leading me toward? This value of urgency, it dovetails beautifully even with the passage from Acts 2024, because if we think about Paul, the reason that he lives with passion and urgency is that he's laser focused on the work he has to do. He knows why he exists. He knows what his job is. He knows what Jesus is asking him to. So it's really easy for Paul to say no to things. It's also really easy for Paul to go, um, I'm going to face persecution, jail, and possibly death if I do what God asks. And he goes, okay. Well, listen, it's better to be with Jesus anyway, so. Like, there's this sense of resilience that is built in his life because he is so crystal clear on the work that Jesus is inviting him to take. The work that he is calling him to ward. Paul can prioritize what actually matters because he knows because he spent time and he's actively spending time with, with God to go, is this what matters? Am I doing the things that actually matter? Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, he says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Make the most of every opportunity. I want to remind you that you are being given opportunity after opportunity every single day to go and be where Jesus already is. That we are able and invited to partner with the Holy Spirit who is at work in the lives of people around us to actually be the church. It's why every single Sunday I send the church reminding you to go and be the church, reminding you that you are positioned on purpose for a purpose. It's so significant that we understand this because some of us, we go, well, what if I do something, go somewhere, and then I screw it up? If we understand that God is already the one that is at work and goes before, if the Holy Spirit's already at work, all we need to do is just walk with him along the way and do what he's asking us to do. 
And listen, if it doesn't all work out perfectly, we don't have to own that. We did what we thought God was asking us to do. We do our best in that. We partner with him. God is at work. And God is not just at work on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 or an hour and 30 minutes. He's actually at work in your school, in your work, in your family, in your friend groups. And he's inviting you to take a step and actually do what he's asking you to do in the moment. We are invited to make the most of every single opportunity. And in verse 17, Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is a challenge, I think, for so many of us. Don't just live our lives waiting for the next one to come. Well, when the next one, then, then I'll be good. It, the, the, when the weekend comes, then, then maybe God will work, and then everything will be fine. Instead, we need to understand that God is already at work. We don't live mindlessly. Instead, we live thoughtfully, understanding that time is short, and that God is inviting us to partner with him, that God is doing something. And so we are willing to actually understand what is God asking us to do. Don't chase that which is meaningless and miss what really matters. There are people around you that are this close to giving their life to Jesus, that are desperately looking. And you know what's crazy is the sheer amount of people that are on Google or YouTube looking for answers, and if we as Christians were the ones that were actually helping them, how much better that would be than hoping that they find the right information on the internet? For us to go, here's what I'm learning, here's what I'm discovering, here's what I, fa- here's what I faced, here's, what I f- here's how the message of Jesus is good news for me right now, here's how the message of Jesus is good news for you right now. There are people that are hungry and desperate for it. And for so many of us, what we think is, I'm ill-equipped. I don't have all the right answers. What if I screw it up? But God's not looking at you, and he's not seeing you through all that. He's saying, just be obedient and trust me. And watch what I can do. You know what's really interesting is that when someone actually finds Jesus in all of our stumbling, that we don't take the credit for it that God gets all the glory for it? Do you think maybe that's on purpose? Like, I've had many opportunities and conversations where I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Did I do okay? And then God uses it, and I am not even remotely tempted to think I did it. I go, God, that was you. And then it stirs something in me. I, ju- I just want to say and be where you want me to be. I want to say the things you want me to say. And it, and it stirs something in us. It encourages us forwards. Can you imagine if we actually started each day, not by being thoughtless, but being wise and making the most of every opportunity like Paul is talking about? We started every single day going, God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do in me today? How do you want to use, help me to see what you're doing today. If we postured every single day with that, imagine how different it would be for each of us. Because suddenly we would notice that that person cutting us off isn't just there to create road rage, but maybe an opportunity to be more present. And suddenly when we get interrupted by our coworker who comes in to share something they're dealing with, rather than going, I really have work to do, 
We go, maybe this is a divine appointment for me to be present with that person and to offer them hope and healing. Rather than seeing all the things around us as distractions, instead we go, God, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to get my attention? How are you trying to guide me? Where are you at work? And I I just get to be part of that. Imagine if we actually started each day with that kind of posture. I've noticed something, and and when, when Paul is saying that we need to understand what the Lord wants us to do, I've noticed that there's some of us that that's where we stop. I just, I need to know what God wants me to do. I'm just not gonna do it. And I've seen this disconnect certainly in the church where we can know, maybe it's theology, maybe it's all the right things, but the disconnect is that we don't actually do anything with it. And I want you to know that the knowing and the doing are interconnected and and incredibly necessary. That we don't just want to understand what God's asking us to do, we want to be the people that do it. And so if God's asking us to do something, we do. Do it. And then if we discover that as we do it, we didn't quite understand perfectly, we go back and go, I tried my best there. Help me, please. And our posture then is again going, help me to know what to do. And then we do it. And this pattern of knowing and doing, it changes us. It forms us. And we understand that Jesus and God are not just concepts, but a way of life that transform us from the inside out. That as we do what we know, that we begin to live differently and we begin to see things differently. And I wanna just let you know, and I'll speak from my own life, there is nothing that cultivates passion and urgency more than knowing what he's saying and doing it. That knowing what God is asking me to do and then courageously doing it and stumbling at times and going, I I did that wrong or I did that pretty well. All of it, it draws you toward the sense of going, God's at work. God is guiding and leading and speaking and moving in power. And he wants to use me. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use us together to do what we could never do on our own, to see God's name made great. Passion and urgency. Passion is like the fire in our bones. And urgency is what am I going to do with that? We can be passionate and fired up and keep that to ourselves. But instead, we want to cultivate passion so that we are moved with urgency. Why? For the sake of people. There are 500,000 people in London, give or take, And the last most recent census talks about over 100,000 that say they have no religious affiliation. Now, the number of people that don't know Jesus is way larger than that. But I want you just to imagine 100,000 people that don't know God. And then there's 100,000 plus people that live by themselves. And so people that don't know God, don't know why they were created, and, and don't have the relationships where they can actually discover who they really are in him. There's this epidemic of loneliness. And I think what a gift for us as a church, we can do something about it. Like you just, you do not know the significance of the conversations that you have when you're at school or at work or getting coffee 
ordering lunch, the coming and going, you don't know the impact of a single conversation. You don't know what God is doing. And so we cultivate passion, this fire in our bones, and we live with urgency, wanting our time to matter, our time to count. We have work to do, and we're unwilling to simply settle into a rhythm of letting life happen to us and instead saying, I just want to understand what you're asking me to do, and I want to do it. I want to I cause you to reflect for a moment about the level of passion and urgency in your life. I want you to think about your life right now, how passionate, how much urgency do you find yourself living with? And I want you to think about a time, maybe if you notice that's like you're at a three or four or five I want you to think about a time you were at an eight or a nine or a 10. When you were passionate about Jesus, you were passionate about everything. You, you couldn't wait to read your Bible. You were hearing him all the time. You were dreaming dreams, seeing things. You were just, there was all this stuff happening. And you're like, ah, I just, I just, I love this. I just want to do what you asked me to do. I want you to think about those moments. And then I want you to ask what changed. Because if there's a disconnect between where we were and where we are, I think it's valuable for us to ask ourselves, what's different? And that's not to say that we go back and we just try to manufacture something. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that sometimes when we notice our passion for Jesus waning, it can be for a few different reasons. It could be because there's actually some sin in our life. Some stuff that we go, there's some barriers that I'm putting between God and I, and so then our passion level is decreased. I also think that sometimes our passion can be decreased because of our pace. How are we supposed to hear what God is saying, understand what God is saying, and do it if we're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off, going, 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 going? This is why in February we're going to do a series on Sabbath, this idea of actually resting so that we can work. This beautiful interplay. For some of us, we, we lack passion. We lack urgency because we just don't have time. I don't have time to be with Jesus. I don't have time to hear what he says. I don't have time to notice him. I got things to do. If that's you, I just want to, as lovingly as I can, raise a flag and say that's a problem. I'm not suggesting to us that we become like people that do nothing but meditate for 12 and a half hours every single day, just being present. I'm suggesting, what if you started your day by saying, God, use me, what do you want to do? And actually lived like that was true. Live like he wanted to work. I'd love for you to, to actually consider, and if you want to share with someone, I always think it's way more impactful when we're honest with others. Are you actively, regularly spending time with God daily? Because we can say all sorts of things. I just... I just want to be passionate for Jesus. And I talk to him once a week. I just know for, for Lee and I and our relationship, our relationship is not strengthened by infrequency. It's strengthened by, now there's sometimes too much frequency for Lee. She's like, go away. But we grow closer. There's, there's this degree of intimacy in our relationship when we spend time with each other. When we see each other, when we hear from each other, this is true in our relationship with God. How can we expect to have passion, with Jesus, passion for Jesus if we don't actually spend any time with him? 
If we don't actually read his words and feel convicted and challenged and excited by, by hearing and then doing. And then beyond that, I, I want you to think about your own life and ask, am I surrounding myself with other passionate followers of Jesus? And I'm not, I'm not asking you to like rank people. You're not passionate enough. You're very passionate and all of that. I'm just saying, are you around people that are also either passionate about Jesus or want to be passionate about Jesus? We're the sum total of the voices that are the loudest in our minds. And so that it's so significant for us to actually spend time with people that are passionate for Jesus. Passion is the fire in our bones and urgency is how we respond and what we do with it. I want to encourage you with a couple of steps that I think, I think in, in light of passion and urgency. First is this. If you're in the room and you would call yourself a Jesus follower and you've been going, I, I, want, I want passion, I want urgency, I, I want to understand that there are people around me that don't yet know Jesus, I want to know what to do with it, let me give you a, a possible step. Lee and I are going to be hosting Alpha on Thursday starting February 2nd. Maybe there are people around you that over the next couple of weeks you need to pray for and ask God to, to give you an, an opportunity to invite them to Alpha. Here, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that if there's someone around you that you go, I need, to, I need to tell them about Alpha, rather than telling them to Alpha about Alpha or just sending them to Alpha, you should come with them to Alpha. Alpha is a place where people can ask questions, can wrestle with faith, can understand what is... What does Christianity even mean and look like? And there's something significant about us doing that together. And if you have someone in your life that, that is asking questions, for you not to just say, hey, you should go to that one program, but for you to actually go on that journey with them is significant. Maybe you're in the room and you go, this is all new to me, or I'm not sure what I think. I would love to invite you to Alpha Lee and I are hosting it, and we eat together, and then we talk through some questions and we guide conversations and, and create space for people to, to honestly ask difficult questions and, and wrestle with things that they're not sure about because we actually believe that God's not afraid of that, that God instead invites that in. And so maybe the invitation for you is to invite, bring someone to Alpha or to come to Alpha. Maybe you go, I, I recognize in my life, I don't, I don't have... I don't have a lot of people that are passionate about following Jesus, and I want to encourage you to join a co-group. This semester, we have co-groups on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if you're scheduled, before we had uh, most of them on Wednesday, and I know for some people that can be hard with your schedule. So Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you go to collectivechurch.ca, you'll actually see co-groups on the top and you can see the list of co-groups that we have and you can join one and I would love to encourage you to do that. Co-groups are, are really, really valuable and they're valuable for a few different reasons. One, that we spend time with people that are actively trying to learn what does it mean to follow Jesus together. But two, that it does create an environment where we're challenged to actually follow through with what we say which I know can be difficult for some of us because there's a degree of going, no, I just want to come in and listen to someone speak and then leave. That's not our co-groups. Instead, it's about going, okay, so if we're identifying our level of passion or urgency in our co-groups this week, we're going to talk about where is that and what am I going to do about it? And then the following week, you know what the co-groups are going to ask? How'd that go? 
Because the value is not in us just challenging people all the time. The value is us challenging and then holding accountable and loving people enough to check in going, how's that going? It's an environment for us to grow together. And if you are in the room and you have, you have some stuff, maybe you have some internal wounding, you have some trauma, you have some baggage, there's some things that you're dealing with, maybe you're in a season that is just painful and difficult, we have a healthy soul co-group where Jeff and Jody are going to take a smaller group of people and, and through Jesus work through some of that stuff. Because maybe the reason there's not passion or urgency is because you got some things you need to work through first. Maybe Jesus is actually inviting you to seek healing, to find hope and healing and restoration in him. And maybe he's doing that so that you can bring that same hope and healing to others. And so I want to encourage you, reflect on where your passion level is at and prayerfully consider Alpha co-group or Healthy Soul co-group. I, I want to I pray for us. I want to respond in worship. But I do want to let you know that one of the things that we believe is so significant is the power of prayer. And so our prayer team is going to be up here at the front. And if you're dealing with something, maybe, maybe you have something that you go, I think God's inviting me to take a step. There is something significant about physically getting up and actually going to the prayer team. They're gonna be there during the worship song. They're gonna be there at the end of the service and they'd love to pray with you, for you, over you. I wanna invite you to stand up and I wanna pray for us. God, I'm so grateful I'm grateful that you are looking for people, that you are looking for workers that, that want to do what you're asking us to do. God, I pray that you would remove that which is holding us back. That even as we ask questions and we reflect, that we would use, as, use it as an opportunity to get closer to your heart. God, for those that are in the room that need Courage to invite someone to Alpha, to tell someone about Jesus, to, to be the church where they are. Would you give them courage? Would you help them to see that you are at work long before they see it? God, for the people in the room that need to join a co-group or healthy soul co-group or they need to take steps towards community and actually letting someone in and letting some other people help them to grow, God, I pray that you would give them courage to do so. God, if none of this is what you're trying to say to someone in the room, but instead you are trying to get their attention in some other area, I pray right now that as we worship, that they would hear your voice so clearly that it is undeniably you. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your presence. We need your power in our midst. Change us from within. Guide us. God, I pray this week as we read our Bibles that we wouldn't just do it because we're supposed to do it, but that we would hear from you. That your words would cut like a knife to our heart and reveal the areas that we need you and need your voice, need your guidance, need your way of life. As we worship, God, may they not just be songs that we sing simply going through the motions, but declaration of our heart. God, guide us, lead us. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.